fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And we are here today with a special guest, Charles Mers. Uh, how you doing, Charles? I'm doing just fine. How are you guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Really I'm good. Really, really excited good. to talk to you. So Charles is actually the director of the the Game Master. I guess it's just Game Master, not the Game Master. Game Master documentary that just got released earlier this month. Charles, do you want to give us a little bit of an overview about that before we kind of get into our flights? Uh, over about the the about the game master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, the game master or game master is is a documentary about four beginning game designers, beginner game designers, uh, trying to break into the industry, get it to actually get a game published and made so that people can buy it. And there's also a lot of insight from some of the veterans of the industry, like Reiner Knizia, Klaus Teuber, Eric Lang, you know, they're, they're interspersed throughout the documentary, giving their words of wisdom as well. So, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I know both Dalton and I saw it and it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was a great, yeah, really fun, to great, watch. great watch, but we're going to dive into that a little bit more and later in the episode, but before we get started into all of that, let's talk about what's we're, what's on our flights. So, Charles, do you want to start us off? Because I know you got something special for us. Well, I, I can start us off. So, you know, I was really excited to be on this podcast because I, I am a, you know, avid fan of beer and I am an avid fan of whiskey, but I'm currently not at my house and all of my, all of my <laughs> special bottles of whiskey, you know, uh, are you know, are locked away in a cupboard at my apartment. I would have, I would have brought out a bottle of Blanton's that I have, which, you know, took me probably a year to find. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. It was hard to find it. Uh, but right now I have something, I made a cocktail. I made a whiskey cocktail. Um, it is called a cold and bold fashioned. And I'll tell you the make of that. I love um, that so much. Yeah. Cold and bold. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's called cold and bold because it involves two ingredients. One of them starts with AC. One of them starts with a B. And then you got the regular old fashioned stuff. So we started off with an ounce and a half of bourbon. I'm using Woodenville. It's distilled in Washington state. Then you got a ounce of okay. coffee liqueur, which is the cold. Um, and you know, don't skip out of the coffee liqueur. Mr. Black is actually my favorite coffee liqueur. Uh, another good one that I'm using today is called Kova, Kova coffee liqueur. And then you have an ounce of Bekarovka, that's where the B comes from, bold. Uh, Bekarovka is a Czech uh, herbal liqueur. It's herbal, it's cinnamony. It gives it a real nice taste. And then, of course, like with any old-fashioned, you got aromatic bitters. And don't be shy on the bitters. They say two dashes. So that right there is the makeup of the cold and bold-fashioned. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like bitters are... delicious. Yeah, they're like, um, they're like garlic, you know? in a recipe how like it's never oh, yeah. recommended to have yeah. enough kind of thing <laughs> no like i just you know i do they say you know oh three cloves of garlic and i use about a head so <laughs> right exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. oh man um but i was just gonna say that's definitely gonna be on my list to try because i i love an old-fashioned i drink manhattan's and old-fashioned's a bunch um oh you'll like this a lot yeah it's not yeah. too sweet the sweetness there's no simple syrup all the sweetness comes from the coffee liqueur so yeah. that's why i would also say to stay away from brands like 
Kaluel, the cheapy right. kind of like, you know, dive bar brands. Like, uh, if you can find it in, um, you guys are in Jersey, right? We're in we're Indiana. In Indiana. <laughs> You're in Indiana. Oh, yeah, we're cool. in Indiana. I'm sorry. Which is actually oh. cool for thematic for the for the episode, right? Because we're, yeah, we're yeah. like an hour from Indianapolis. Yeah. So you know, I it's an Australian coffee liqueur, but it's called Mr. Okay. Black. Uh, I it's sold. In, I can get it in Los Angeles, but it is it is the best coffee liqueur I've ever had. So that that's a really good one. Awesome. Good to know. Um, okay, so I'm actually I, I am. I did not break out my quality bourbon for tonight, but I will I will tell you why. So all, all I'm drinking tonight, I'm just drinking bullet bourbon. But for the reason for that is because I'm allowed to have 15 bottles. Um, and you can see this <laughs> one's almost empty. And so <laughs> that's the goal here is I'm emptying this bottle out um, because we are having a little mock Gen Con, uh, our friend group, uh, over this coming weekend. Um, and so I want to buy some bottles and, and bring them down for that. And so we haven't had a uh, bullet on the podcast before, but it's – it's basically like one of your go. It's like alongside like Buffalo Trace, Elijah Craig for like one of your go to in the like twenty five thirty dollar range. Um, it's a little high in uh, rye in the mash, and so it has like some of that spiciness, which is nice. But it, again, it's it's a it's not a really expensive bourbon, so you're going to be just getting like a bourbon taste, and then like some rye comes through, and then it's kind of done. Um, and so I'm just I'm just sipping on that, and I have some ice in it tonight so that I can. Uh, drink it a little faster and get rid of the bottle. Um, <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking. You're you're only allowed to have 15 bottles. Says says who? The bourbon police? Who's, who's oh gonna, says the girlfriend? <laughs> says the, oh. says the agreement between me and my my, uh, oh, my living. Oh, roommate. I see. Yeah. Okay. That that might as well be the bourbon police. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Pretty that's much. Right. Yeah. Really restricting. Really restricting. So, but it's a fair. There was you know there was a trade. There was an agreement made, and so it, it holds. So. <laughs> so let me let me give you a recommendation if you like yep. bullet. Uh, Redemption High Rye. It's it's on par cost wise with Bullet, but it is. I think it's 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 way better. Okay. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. it's when you say High Rye, so it is a it is it a rye or is it a bourbon? It's a bourbon, but it's yeah. got a High Rye content. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I will definitely check that out then. Because Redemption's been one on those lists that like I passed over a couple times, like trying to get oh, into yeah. or trying to try, and so that'll I'll check that out soon. So I am I'm actually drinking uh, Terrapin's Hopsecutioner, which I think is the coolest name for a beer ever. So it's a uh, it's an IPA, and like on the can, it has like a turtle like decapitating like using a gu- guillotine some hops. And I actually had this like a couple of years ago when I went down to Atlanta for a trade show, and then mm. I we me and my wife went down to visit some of our friends, some uh, friends of the podcast. Um, they're, they're right outside Atlanta. And uh, he he gifted me some of the beer, so he wanted me to uh, drink it on the podcast and give a shout out to Athens, Georgia, and Terrapin there. So oh, is that what? Because I see a lot of them in, when I go home to Nashville to visit my parents. I see a lot of Terrapin stuff. Yeah, and it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's actually really good. So it's about sixty IBU. So it's not super heavy or super bitter in that sense. It's pretty easy to drink. Right about seven percent APV. So you know, it's a nice nice beer right up my alley. <laughs> Yeah, one of these days he'll bring on something that's not an IPA. But today's not that day, and that's okay. No, I don't think so. Charles, we here at the um, Fantasy and Flights podcast like to talk about board games, books, beer, and bourbon. Those are kind of the four pillars, the four Bs. So you want to run through and tell us your favorite board game book, beer, and bourbon? Do you have those off the top of your head that you can list out? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's start with board games. So, uh, you know, I've I've answered this question. I've answered this answer a lot uh i've my stock answer for what my favorite board game is is dominion but oh, you're gonna you know, love dalton 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, do love I, I, you know, I love Dominion. And the reason I love Dominion is because of, I mean, I don't have to explain it to, to your listeners. They've all played Dominion, you know, right? Like <laughs> just, if you have all the expansions, you have over a million combinations. So, you know, it's, it's, but the game functions the same. And I think there's a beautiful simplicity to, to that, where it's like, you can sub out any card. The, the function of the game is still the same, but the rules are different, but you don't have to learn new rules because they're just on the card. Like there's just something so beautifully simple, mm. um, but that still also welcomes a variety that, that, you know, I just haven't found matched in any other game. It's yeah, so for sure. Yeah. We have a, um, at my, at my work and the listeners have heard this before, but at my work group, uh, we play dominion every Friday and for 10 years, um, they've been keeping track of the scores, just like an Excel spreadsheet kind of thing, the differential. Um, and so they, track like who wins and then they track um like by how much and then you get like a weight based on like a strength of schedule so if these other players are winning more frequently and that sort of thing and then we like kind of graph out like who the top players are so so that's like a sort of a running league type of thing so i play a lot of dominion i really enjoy it and it's that same exact thing that we we play every friday um and that's a lot of dominion but like you said not nearly enough to play every game of dominion that you could play so dominion great choice uh that that was like my first board game that i ever got in my collection and we played dominion so much like i can't use the base set of dominion that i have with new any new expansions because you can tell exactly what card you're about to draw so (laughs) but okay what about book uh book so this one's this was gonna go a little deep you know the first book that i that i thought of um is a nonfiction book by dr ernst becker it's called the denial of death uh as I know, it sounds a little heavy. So no, I'm excited. <clears throat> the denial of death. So it was, I think it was, I, I might get this decade wrong, but it's either this, from the 60s or 70s. And it's just, it's the best Western philosophy book I've ever read. The philosophical logic it uses is so sound. It's just so simple. Um, but it just, it's, it explores areas of, psychological existence in ways that I hadn't uh and I hadn't thought about before I read think of it all the time um I wish I could give an example see here's the thing I this might sound a little funny but I'm I think that I am relatively good at explaining things and I've always felt like I'm just terrible at explaining what this book is (laughs) (laughs) so that kind of just at, at the very least that should illustrate how complex some of the things that they explore in the book are uh, and you, and I don't know, it's, you have to read it to really get it, you know, um, the denial of death, Ernst Becker, really, really great nonfiction book. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I felt that way before about like, I, I honestly, I've not read a, like a ton of nonfiction, just like sort of logical explorations, except for I read like in high school, I read like mere Christianity, um, from CS Lewis. And, and that's, I didn't really read it personally for like religious reasons. It was just like, it was recommended to me. And I was like, well, I can check this out. Like as a, but I consistently re- feel like I also can't describe that in the same way. Cause like I, when I was reading through it, I was like, Oh, this all makes sense. And I'm really enjoying kind of like thinking through like how this could work. Um, but then I got to the end of the book and like a year later, I'm like, I'm, I can't actually tell you why I liked it. I just tell you that it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, re- I relate to that statement right there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we'll Dalton, we'll put that one in the show notes. Cause I'm interested sure. in that one. That, that, yeah. Cause I don't, I, I like Dalton. I don't do a lot of nonfiction, but I've always enjoyed when I do read those. What about beer? Beer. Okay. So one of my favorite beers 
is one that I think is discontinued. Oh, oh that's uh, sad. <laughs> like, like it, because it's an IPA, right? So it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is called, um, it is by a brewery called Clown Shoes. And the name <laughs> of the beer is Tramp Step. Okay. It's memorable. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, yeah. So the reason I love it is because, so it's the most prominent thing yeah. in an IPA. It's hops, right? And, you know, that's that's what makes an IPA. How hoppy is the beer? How much does it, you know, punch right. you in the face with hops? So, you know, with with Tramp Stamps, the, the hops are very present. They're there, like undeniably there. But that is the not the most, like, forward thing about the beer. It's still very floral. There's other notes that are, you know, as strong, if not even just a little bit stronger than the hops. And so I just I thought it was really unique. I don't think they make it anymore, sadly. That is really sad because that sounds exactly what I want in a beer. So, <laughs> so bummer. And the final pillar, bourbon. Bourbon. Oh man, how how do I choose one? Oh. <laughs> it's not a fair question. We never claimed yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I know. Okay, so uh, there's something called barrel bourbon. Mm-hmm. Barrel bourbon. It's a guy, and I might get this a little bit wrong, but a guy. He has gone to distilleries that have closed down and they've bought their bourbon and he has blended his own bourbons. He doesn't distill himself, but he mixes his own bourbons. And so he releases, he used to release batches like batch, batch 11, batch 12, batch 13. Um, And now he does it by year. There was 2019, 2020. Hmm. I have batch 16 and batch 16 has a finish unlike anything I've ever had. Like the finish is so long. Just a little bit sweet. Uh, barrel bourbon, batch number 16. If you can, it's like $90 a bottle, but if mm-hmm. you can find it, you should absolutely get it because it's not going to be for sale for much longer. Yeah. Is it, um, see- is it like cast strength? Uh, no, that one's not cast strength. Okay. That one, I think, is about uh, 40. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but they do make some cast strength stuff. If, you ever, if you've ever heard of Infinite Barrel Whiskey, it's the same, same okay. place. Okay. And the reason I'm asking is because, um, so when I, I graduated, uh, with my master's in 2016 and Nelson got me a bottle of Booker's 2016, um, mm, Booker's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm like running out of that. And so I'm kind of looking for a bourbon that's like at that kind of price point to fill its spot. So I, I have the bourbon for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you, <laughs> have you ever had Noah's mill? No, I've not had Noah's mill. Man, I'm so, so many good recommendations from you today. So, so Noah's, Noah's mill is uh i believe 57.15 percent alcohol right so it's a high alcohol content mm-hmm. bourbon but unlike booker's no like booker's no like it's just like right away it's just like heat For like sure. you know uh noah's mill has this like nice low ever-present rumbling heat and the mouthfeel is unlike anything i've ever had like it is it is delicious i think noah's mill is maybe like 40 to 50 dollars a bottle depending oh where goodness. you get it yeah no no it, yeah it's it's the price point is like great yeah um and it's just it's a unique bourbon i really like it a lot okay. and so if you're trying to replace your booker snow i like yeah, noah's mill i like noah's mill better than booker snow good to know good to know dalton we always talk about how this podcast is going to cost us a lot of money i feel like this one is like especially <laughs> rough episode for you uh. <laughs> So, I mean, we'll yeah, see, no, no. You know, uh, up... Yeah, flash, 
flash forward to a month yeah. and like two hundred dollars later, like <clears throat> these, recommend- <laughs> these recommendations are terrible. <laughs> call him up. I'm gonna tell. Get him back on the phone. Oh, no, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. Thank you. Cool. So, uh, like Charles explained earlier, uh, Game Master is a documentary following four up and coming game designers. And um, what prompted you to start this project? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So it started with myself and my friend, my producer friend, who's a producer on the movie. His name is Jimmy Nguyen. So Jimmy has produced two documentaries prior to this. One is called Showrunners about showrunners. And the other is called Barista about the National Barista Competition. So he and I had been playing a lot of board games, right? all kinds uh and we went to a local convention in los angeles called strategic con oh yeah and you know we were playing other people and yeah and he came across a board game i think it was called parenthood and it was just some guy who who made the game himself Mm self-published you know and it's it he was just like hey you know you want to buy my game here? You know, I'm just, I'm just this guy. Here's my game. And we, we'd never really seen something like this before. So he bought the game. He was like, you know, I'm interested. I like, I like your pitch. And, uh, you know, we, we, I shouldn't say this, but I don't think we ever played the game. But <laughs> we, <laughs> That's how conventions work. Yeah. But, but <laughs> we did, we did really enjoy like, the experience of buying it from the guy that made it. And yeah. we were kind of like, okay, I think there's something here, you know, like this is clearly, this is clearly a guy that had probably has kids most likely. And like, he's, he's expressing kind of the, the struggles of parenthood and the, the trials of parenthood through this game. If I'm, I, I, you know, again, I don't know because we didn't play it, but I think the goal was to get the kids out of the house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it, if that's, if that wasn't the goal, it should be, but <laughs> So, you know, we kind of took that and, you know, he, he knew from experience that you you need to be in love with the subject that you are making a documentary about or you're running a steam documentary is taking a long time. Hmm. Um, and so he knew that, you know, the two of us, we we love games and, you know, we we just thought this is this is right. And so we we had some other people who also shared the same love and together we made a movie. That's awesome. Well, yeah, we're really happy you did that. So you said it takes yep. a long time. How long did, you know, the production of Game Master take? So the production, it took like from the date that we did the first interview to about release, it was about four years, you know? Oh, damn. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. Oh, wow. damn. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> it's funny because at the beginning of this whole thing, you know, we were like, when's this going to come out? We were like, I don't know, 2020. And in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, I, I said, I myself said, oh, damn. <laughs> like at the beginning of all this, I was like, this sounds like it's going to take a long time. Oof. And and I, I found out, you know, no matter how long you think it's going to take, add a year because that's, it's going to take longer. Than that's that. what I tell my boss at work. He doesn't like that yeah. mentality, though. <laughs> that's why that's why you need to be your own boss so you know no no one's you know (laughs) the only one the only one to say hey i don't like how long this is taking is 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 us (laughs) we we just then we just we're just disappointed with ourselves yeah so Mm. it took four years what what did it feel like i and i have no idea how you know a movie is published but like when you hit publish or you sent it off to you know the final release how what did that feel like it you know People always 
are were like congratulations congratulations i know where they're coming from because you know we're um we even making most of the movie you're accomplishing something that a lot of people don't get to you're 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 hitting steps that people don't get to but in my mind i was never i never lost sight of the goal of you know finishing the movie and i was like there's you know there's still things to be done i did not let myself become too complacent because i thought that was that was when things would start to fall apart and i find myself even after the movie is is released and people can buy it i still find myself not wanting to get complacent because i'm still trying to tell people about the movie i'm still trying to get people excited about it you know uh still trying to to spread the good word as it were and so you know i'm still i'm still in that Mm -hmm. state of like you know of this is part of the experience of movie making is even after the movie is done after it's released there is still stuff to be done and so you know i'm i'm still doing it yeah and so you um you directed this uh this movie so when so you're saying even after like after the release the director is still involved is that something that is like typical of a director I mean, is that know, just because this it, is kind it, of your it depends like that work? it's some some directors who are probably a little more high profile than i am which is not hard uh so, so <laughs> some of them are probably like you know i don't i don't feel like doing press but you know it, me being in the state that i am i i welcome it you know anybody who's like i want to talk to you about this movie tell people that it exists and you know and and also you know hammer home for there's people who like yourself who are in the games who will really enjoy the movie. But one of the goals of this movie was to make it accessible for people who do not, who are not in the games. Um, you know, people who just like documentaries or, you know, I don't know about, um, you know, if you have friends or girlfriends or parents or whatever, who are not as in the games, who just enjoy a good movie. You know, I think it's enjoyable for them too. So, sure. you know, yeah. 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 My girlfriend watched like about half of it for that reason and i think she walked in and she was like oh like i'll sit here and watch this with you you know because like you're watching it um but then by the end of it she was more she was invested because you were you did you know and we'll get into this but you told her you did a really good job of following a story of people and kind of building and so it wasn't i didn't feel like i needed to be in the board gaming community to watch it right you it was cool that we are because we're like oh like i know that game i know that you know producer or, or a developer and, and all this but I think you guys did a great job of, of accomplishing. So you say you say she watched half of it. When you said that, I said, "Oh my god! I hope it's the last half and not the first half." <laughs> like, it like, was last half. <laughs> like, like, well, that's enough of this. <laughs> so, um, what did you hope to accomplish, kind of, with this endeavor? And did you feel like you accomplished that? So, one of the things that I hoped to accomplish was, you know. Whenever I, walking around telling people, hey, I'm making a documentary about board game designers, a lot of people said, like, wow, like, I, I had no idea that that was a job, but of course it is, right? Um, <laughs> right. Someone's got to do it, you know? Um, yeah. But I think, like, people, there was, like, this mystique surrounding, like, how, where does a board game come from? Is it just a bunch of mm. dudes in, in a room? At, at Melton Bradley or, or Hasbro, you know? Um, Shit, yeah, really. yeah. There you go. You know, like, you know, where does it come from? And, you know, part of it was to you know, dispel some of that mystique. I mean, let's say that uh, you have the best idea for a board game ever, right? 
you might not know the first place to look to try to turn that into a reality. And, you know, watching this movie, I feel like at the very least, you have an idea, a comprehensive knowledge of the places you can go, the terms you can Google, all that stuff, and try to like, you know, uh, figure out how to get started at the very least. And another thing is to, um, I, I wanted to really uh, illustrate the idea that board games could be a form of self-expression. They could be a personal thing. Um, they have to start from somewhere. And I think the best ones start from inside the designer. And I know that like at first upon, you know, surface level, you think like, no, board games aren't that. Uh, but then when you, you, know, you dig a little deeper and you start to figure out who is actually behind it, give a face to that person and hear why they created the game, you know, then it's very clear that yes, absolutely they are that. One of the first things I wrote down is that I loved the opening. Uh, of the documentary like I, I love because it, it's basically exactly what you when you started answering that question where you say something along the lines of like I didn't know this was a job right it was kind of like that's kind of like the hook and, it, and and you know immediately like what the documentary is and like what it's going to walk you through what I didn't realize I guess until you said that is that and maybe in this I guess it just inherent to a documentary that there's a sort of balance between a, a conveyance of information and creating something that's entertaining um, so can you talk I guess a little bit about about that like was is is the point for this to be a uh, a template or a guide of how to create a board game or is the point to be entertaining is it somewhere in I mean, between? It, it's somewhere in between like and I'll, i i don't know if that's some people might say it's a compound answer but i there's always a way to convey information with you know uh for lack of a better term a spoonful of sugar so i knew i knew the things i wanted to convey i knew the points i wanted to make not all of them but I knew some points I wanted to make. Some of them developed over time. But every step along the way, I asked myself literally in 30 second increments, why is someone not turning this off right now? You know? <laughs> You're real. <laughs> you know I mean, look, look, there's, there are so many, there's so much stuff out there. Like even like For sure. just this month, I don't know. I can't tell you how many documentaries were released. You know, so even if you're a lover of documentaries, why are you not turning this off right now and watching another documentary? I wanted, if somebody is going to, you know, say, I'm going to give you some of my time, I, you know, I better make sure that it's worth it. You know, and I, I, I took that seriously. And as somebody who watches a lot of stuff, sometimes I don't feel that people do take that seriously. People just take for granted that once you start a program, you're going to finish it. And, you know, unless you're giving someone a reason, you know, why am I not turning this off right now? Why should someone finish it? There's so many programs that I think take their viewership for granted. And I did not want to do that. I wanted to make sure that it was entertaining and insightful and enjoyable to watch every step of the way. And I hope I did that. Yeah, I definitely think you did because kind of what, where I lose interest in documentaries is kind of when, um, and don't get me wrong, I love documentaries, but if there, there's just like there's no it's not necessarily a story but like if it the story is just kind of a very linear kind of you know you can almost see what's coming but like you kind of negated that because you were you know following four different stories and bouncing around and seeing how different designers uh you know worked differently and all of that and so i thought that was really um a great way to do that because everyone had their own motivation which i think was one of the points of the documentary and i think was it uh, Kinesia that said that you had to have the intrinsic motivation in order to 
uh, design the game. It's it, you're not going to make a lot of money out of it if you set out to make money in game design. You have to love what you're doing to create that game and continue doing it. Which I mean, he's done because he had what 600 games that he's designed. <laughs> yeah, he's got over 600 games. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. I was just like <laughs> one of the things that Dalton and I were asking, like, how did you decide which one of those 600? to put under his name. <laughs> while he uh, so, so I think it, what we build him as is, is, uh, is creator of over 600 games because like, you know, what else can you say that really to somebody who doesn't know who this is, what can you say to really explain who Reiner Knizzi is and why he's such a powerhouse. And because the movie features the 2017 Spiel des Jahres award, we did, uh, you know, bill him as the the creator of the quest for eldorado which was nominated that year and then there's also a sequence that features a lot of cover art gotcha. from him you know that we, we talk we spend a little bit more time you know talking about who reiner Knizzi is and there's a lot of covers that pop up and that was a mix of covers games that i thought were relevant and important to him uh and also uh box art which box art stood out <laughs> as being interesting <laughs> Box art matters. <laughs> Box art matters. Does, That's the yeah. takeaway, right? So I actually just got Quest for Eldorado in a trade earlier this week. So I'm excited to try it out. So what did you trade for it? Oh, I don't even know. It was a math trade. So so probably something not, not that I didn't care about because I don't even remember. What something I you didn't care about, you remember? <laughs> An well, expansion to something. Probably. I, I, think, I think you came out ahead in that deal then. No, I, I love Quest for Eldorado. I think it's a great, it's a great game. Yeah, yeah. I'd been wanting to pick it up because my because I play Dominion every Friday. My girlfriend won't play it with me, so I was trying to look for something. Uh, but she also hasn't tried a deck building game yet. I've been like slowly trying to kind of get it introduced into board games. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a Donald X Vaccarino story. Okay. Donald X Vaccarino, the creator of Dominion, I went to went to his house to interview him, um, and you know, off camera we were kind of chatting about you know this and that and whatever, sure. and you know. And he, he said, you know, something something I didn't realize would happen with Dominion was that there'd be a bunch of Dominion clones, you know, yeah. Um, mm, yeah. that he kind of created this own genre of deck building. And he considers any deck builder a Dominion clone. Um, I mean, I would. Yeah, I, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? So, so you know, any, anytime I'm like, I, 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 there's a couple that I like. I'd be like, oh, what do you think about this one? And his answer would be like, I think you should play Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, and he'd be like, yeah, he'd be like, what about this one? I think you should play Dominion. And then I actually like Quest for Eldorado a lot. And I said, what do you think of Quest for Eldorado? I said, I think it's Dominion with a board. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, so, <laughs> you know, and I was like, and I thought about it. I was like, well, you know, that that's not a bad thing. I, I, I enjoy Dominion with a board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, but you're right that it definitely, he, or he's right, I guess. It definitely looks like that. I would really like to have a conversation with him where I say like, oh yeah, one of my favorite games is Mage Knight. And he goes, that's a Dominion derivative. <laughs> I would think that's really well, funny. Well, guess what? You just had the conversation with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to experience it from Dom. That'd be great. So you, you followed four different game designers. What was the process of choosing those candidates for the, for the documentary? So for three of them, we you know we went to the strategic con in LA um, and we would find people who had made their own game and we would just you know be talking to people and with everybody I would ask them two questions I would say tell me about your game 
and I would say, why did you make it? And, you know, depending on their answers, if they could give me a really good answer for why they made it, uh, I would, I would exchange information and I would talk to them on the phone for a long, t- longer time, like 40 minutes, an hour, mm-hmm. you know, kind of going through other questions about their process to try to gauge whether or not they might be interesting on screen. Like, you know, if they can hold my attention in a conversation over the phone where I, where, you know, they're actually engaging with me, um, not quite face to face, but almost then, you know, possibly they can hold the attention of an audience, you know, but a lot of it was, you know, did, did, did their game come from somewhere inside them? And as, as we got more and more footage and the movie took a form, it became very clear that we chose the right people. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say the, you know, whether by your, whether by good interviewing skills or, or luck, the, uh, the stories, kind of the arcs that those characters go through, which obviously it's a documentary. They're not like fabricated in any way. They're they're really interesting, and they each they, they they you know they go so differently. And maybe that's just you know the way that board game design goes. There's not maybe one clear path for an individual, um, but it I mean, really gave a kind of a well-rounded picture of what what it looks like for these people. Yeah, I did the interview, so I'll say that it was 100% good interviewing skills. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's all. So there's if you're always... looking for a director of a documentary who does really good interviews. <laughs> Look, there's there's always some luck involved. Like um, with with Charlie Bink, like I feel like I there's there was like two or three times where I thought we were done with the story, and I was trying to figure out how to wrap it up, and then some other th- like big thing happened with it, <laughs> and so you know, and I I love the way that his story ends and I love his character arc in the documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, you know, there's, there, there was no accounting for and no, you know, guarantee of what would happen to him. So it's, you know, I, I like to say it is, it is a mix of gut instinct and luck, you know? Mm. Yeah. But I, I will say the story, uh, I don't know if you guys read it somewhere else, but the story, how we got Nashra, Nashra Baliwala, the creator of a board game called Arranged is like, magnificent so Nasha Balagamwala for people who don't know is a Pakistani girl and in Pakistan arranged marriages is very common so she created a board game called arranged about avoiding arranged marriages so I was actually talking with a producer um, uh, one of the producers of the movie Wally Shras who we were driving across country and somewhere you know to interview all these people and somewhere along the line i said to him wally what we what we really need is a female poc who just made a game who has an interesting personal story that's also good on camera but i don't think that person <laughs> i don't think that person exists <laughs> you lucky bastard <laughs> i know i don't think that person exists so we get uh we get to connecticut because wally is from connecticut and we stayed with his parents and I'm sitting there, I'm going over my notes, you know, um, you know, trying to figure out stuff. And I come across this article about Nashra Balgamwala and her game arranged. And I read, I read, you know, a page of, of the article, the internet article, and I say, who is this girl? We've got to get her in the documentary. Yeah. Right? So I find out her information. I find her email and her phone number, because um, I, I don't know where I found that on a website somewhere. And I spend like three hours trying to get a hold of her because she was she was busy she wasn't answering her phone and finally i got a hold of her i was like this is who we are this is what we're doing you got to be in this documentary you were made for it you you have to be in it you know what do i got to do 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, finally I convinced her that I wasn't a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I, she agreed to be in the documentary and I was like, I was like, great. Uh, and then she said, but I should also tell you, my visa is about to expire in two days and I'm going to leave the country in two oh days. Oh my God. Ooh. Yeah. And I said, okay, where in the country are you? <laughs> and she said, I, she said, I'm in Brooklyn. I said, great. I will see you tomorrow. And we drove to Brooklyn. Yeah, we drove to Brooklyn and then we interviewed her. And, you know, I mean, look, it's like sometimes there's things that were meant to be. And had, you know, had we found her a day later, she probably wouldn't be in the documentary. Had she been in like, you know, I don't know, Las Vegas or, you know, Seattle, she probably wouldn't be in the documentary. Mm. She was driving distance from where we were at that second. So it's just, it's just certain things fall into place. Yeah. I, I loved her. Story. I will say, um, yeah, we talk a lot about Game of Thrones, obviously on our podcast, um, when we're talking about fantasy and books and that sort of thing. And you know, when you're reading a, a story like that and there's, you know, there's like, I don't know, Tyrion Lannister or, or, or Daenerys, whoever's your favorite character. And you're just waiting for the book to get back to that chapter. That's what I felt like with Nostra's story that I was just like, okay, yeah, but I need to know what happened to this girl. Like, I'm really enjoying all this other stuff you're talking about, but like get back to her. Like what, you know, what's her story? Yeah, absolutely. Did you have a favorite or what, or not fit necessarily favorite, but what was the most fun story to tell for you of those four designers? I mean, I, I can't answer this question. That's you know, that's, <laughs> that's like, which, which of your children are your favorite, you know? <laughs> They are all my children, and maybe I have a favorite one, but I can't say that publicly. <laughs> Very fair. Fair enough. Okay, so let me really, let me change it. Did you have a favorite? Yeah, you're gonna try. You're gonna cut the word favorite. Yeah. <laughs> or no, I'm gonna. What was your favorite part of the creation of the documentary? So not necessarily the storyline, but yeah. like what was the favorite? What what made you like excited? The most excited about the documentary? So looking back, I I am very fond of the times that I spent driving across two countries. We drove across the USA. We drove across Germany. It was me, um, producer Wally Schross, and the director of photography, Michael Cox, you know, in the USA. Uh, Wally's wife, Kristen, joined and helped out in Germany. But, you know, there is something about, you know, driving across two countries, you know, the bare bones crew, you know, just some people with an objective, people on a mission that bonds you in a way that I don't know that anything else does, you know, it's um, because you, you, you know, you, it's like during the day, it's like, go, 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 get the interview. What do we got to do? Where we got to be? What do we, you know, what's going on? And then afterwards you have all of this downtime until you get to the next place where you can, you know, reflect on how the day went. You, you, you drink a little bit, you play a game, you know, uh, yeah, we acquired we a lot know. of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we acquired a lot of board. Yeah. It's just like what you do, except without making a documentary. Um, you know, but there's, there's something about that. Like I had never been to Europe before, you know, and I went to Germany and I didn't get to see everything, but in some ways it was so much more exciting because I know that every second was spent seeing what we could see, you know? And so there, there was something very economical about the trip where it's like, I don't feel like, oh, we should have done this. We should have done that. Like you might feel on a vacation, you know, because like we literally didn't have time to do anything else other than what we did. And 
you know, that, that in the, just the experiences I had on that trip, those were fantastic. Also, another answer to that question of what, what I loved, you know, after everything was done, um, the editor and I, John Barry, spent a lot of time together talking about the philosophy of the movie, uh, um, you know, what's at the heart of it, you know, shaping it, informing it as we went along. And that was a very rewarding experience. And I came, you know, first of all, he did an incredible job. He's, he's, he is a big part of what makes this movie watchable <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, I, I walked away with a good buddy too. So, you know, that's, that's, that's wonderful. For sure. What do you like walk away from that conversation with as like, you know, like you said, like the core, the guiding principles of the movie that you really want to like come through? You know, sometimes it's, it's, it, there's two, it's two handed. It's like, what do you want to do and what don't you want to do? And mm. obviously you don't want to be boring. You don't want to be preachy. You don't want to give a lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, you know, where does, where does the emotion lie? And in, in fact, when you ask yourself, what's at the heart of this movie, you ask yourself, what is at the heart of these four people? you know, mm, yep. and for every individual, that's going to be something different. It's going to be a different answer. And when you can really like buckle down and get into what that is, then you, you start to know, like decisions start to become clear as far as what to do, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. It was your first time in Europe and you were able to make it to Essen, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So this episode is releasing on what would be the first day of Gen Con. And I've been to Gen Con uh-huh. for many years in a row i've never been uh, to essen uh, that's kind of like the goal what's uh, what what how does that feel differently like what what is essen in comparison to gen con so i don't i don't want to say i don't want to sound like i don't enjoy gen con because gen con is fantastic but essen it's a, it's just it's a different experience i just i enjoyed it in a different way um i think there are more younger people and, and you know for me at least it seemed like gen con was more about buying games and Essen was seemed like it was about buying and also experiencing games, playing games. Um, there were a lot more kids at, at, uh, at Essen. And I think a lot of that has to do with like German families. They introduced these type of board games from a much younger age. And, you know, the, it, it was a lot more of a familiar, not familiar, but familiar, <laughs> kind of experience you know um because you see uh, there's a lot more families there's a lot there's just a lot more playing going on in essen and this could have just been my perception keep in mind i've only been to both of these places one time you know and you know it could have just been what i happened to see at that exact moment but you know obviously it's going to feel like this from an american point of view but essen felt more worldly because there wasn't just people there from germany there's people there from all over and gen con primarily americans i think at least in my experience yeah, again so, my yeah. experience my experience was is limited with with you know i've been to both these places once yeah you're definitely right the heart of uh the heart of indiana as two people that live there <laughs> are is not entirely diverse unfortunately it is it is really nice to have you know gen con what 15 minutes away from my house i i do enjoy mm. that aspect oh, wow. of gen con <laughs> i i know i know where you live i've i've, I've been right around there yeah <laughs> yep yeah yeah. yeah, Nelson, were you there? And because you guys were there, were you there at the 2017? Yeah, Gen Con? we were. Yes, that's correct. We were there at the 50th anniversary of Gen Con. That Gen yep, Con was right. crazy. There were so many people there. 
<laughs> it was sold out. Yeah. I, yeah. I heard that that was the first year they ever sold out. Yeah, in my yeah. understanding. First year that they sold out, and I, that was the last year that I waited in the will call line to pick up my ticket because it was. <laughs> I mean, the the line. I'm not joking. It was probably half a mile to a mile long. So just wait to pick up your ticket. It was like wrapped all the way around the convention wow. center outside back. And it's happened to that before, but it's like from now on, I'm just paying the 10 bucks. They're going to ship it to my house. Well, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you get the, uh, cause as soon as that like shot, so you guys have like a great shot of like the doors opening, right? Yeah. Now, everybody, so everybody entering. That's right. right. Did you get the same? Like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, they're not social distancing. <laughs> oh my God. So it is <laughs> really, it's, it's so, it's so interesting to come out at this time because number one, like, you know, Gen Con isn't, isn't happening in the way it normally does this year. You know, so people are, are getting their convention fix a little bit with, with this movie, but also, you know, people see all these crowds and they get like this weird anxiety that, that we were, <laughs> that we were not planning on when we made the movie, <laughs> uh, you know, and now when I see those crowds, I do get a little bit like, Ooh, I mean, you know, <laughs> if i'm outside and there's more than three people i'm like oh, right now, so. exactly, exactly. i'm not gonna lie every exactly. single shot that you had at gen con i paused and looked for myself so i was like going through the crowd like ooh, because like that 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 shot of you going into the door that is the door that i like rush it's either that one or the one like uh a little bit further down the hall but i'm just like ooh, i have to see myself and i'm like i'm never gonna see myself <laughs> You, <laughs> where's Waldo with a guy in a black shirt yeah. and a buzz cut? Like I'm never gonna find him. You you are not the first person to say this. No yes. kidding. Okay. <laughs> mm. uh, so, you know the the whole documentary is a exploration in game design. Do you have any advice for people that kind of want to design or start that design of their own game? That isn't necessarily said in the documentary. You know, I mean, it, it's kind of said, but you know, my, my advice is to just, to just do it, to just do it and accept the fact that you're, you're not going to be good at it at first. It's you, whatever you do, it's, it's going to be terrible, but it's okay. And cause you know, after you, a lot of people, I think they have a fear of starting because they're afraid that it's going to be terrible. But then when you've made something that's terrible, you realize it's not so bad and you can make another thing. And that might be terrible too, but you can make another thing after that. And after, you know, 57 times of being terrible, you might make something good. But the key thing is, is to, you know, pick up the pieces and try again. You know, we definitely did with this documentary. You know, if you, if you <laughs> there, there, there's the, there's the, 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 the lore, the, the in the in the folklore of this this movie, there's the three hour long cut, which is like watching. <laughs> it's like watching paint dry, you know. So it's, it's, I, I, you know, we definitely take that advice ourselves. But also, you know, part of part of trying and failing again is knowing whether or not you're called to do it after you feel because if you're not called to do it maybe you shouldn't be doing it but if you are you should definitely like keep trying and keep trying and seeing what comes of it because mm -hmm. there's a reason that you still have this urge that's inside of you to try to create something yeah so my favorite scene was when scott rogers walked into the game store and saw his ray guns and rocket ships on the shelf and he just like pointed to it i just like you know i was like yes yes and it's like, that's got to be yeah. such a good feeling, which I'm sure you've seen, you know, now that uh, the documentary has been published and like, you know, just as a game designer, you know, you've, you've gone through all of that time, all of that effort and to finally see it, you know, there on the shelf, that's got to be such 
a great feeling and that that was my favorite yeah. part of the movie for sure you guys really captured like the pride on his face in that oh movie. yeah absolutely well mm-hmm. in an alternate universe where physical media is still a thing yeah the answer would be yes you know? <laughs> so, but no no seeing it on itunes seeing it on amazon there there we you know in in my apartment with nobody else around yes i i had the exact same reaction to to my thing it was it was a surreal moment because you know and i did think of that moment with scott rogers and kind of it's kind of uh, a mirror um as you will is there anything that we haven't asked you yet that you think we should oh my god i mean this question (laughs) (laughs) this question is difficult because uh i mean there is uh but i don't know what it is right now I'm sure there is, but, you know, it's like, well, you're the better interviewer. So here's the thing. You can't possibly have asked me everything, but what, what you know, sure. what didn't you ask me? I don't know. You know, I'm reminded of, of my physics teacher in high school, you know, every, you know, when we did quizzes, the quizzes were worth 25 points. And, you know, um, in the heat, in our downtime, I was having a conversation with another, another classmate and we were goofing off and he said, Hey, how, how many, uh, how, how good do you think you're going to get on this 25 point test? And he said, and my friend said, uh, I'm probably going to get about 21. And he said, all right, what four things don't you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, you know, did, did you ask me everything? Probably not. What didn't you ask you? I don't know. <laughs> so I, I've, I play a lot of board games. I play, a lot of complex games and I kind of sit there and I think about like, how could anyone ever come up with this? And like, there's so much going on. And like, I'm trying to think about that, like in the sense of a documentary in the sense of like, you know, I feel like it's almost a puzzle. Like you, you filmed all of these things at multiple different times. And then you're trying to tell a linear story of four people at the same time. How does like that thought process, how did, how did you come up? Like, how, can you explain a little bit more on the documentary side? Like, the filming side like how does the, all of that kind of work so just talking in a in broad in a broad sense um if i were to make a documentary again or if someone were to ask kind of what i think you just asked which is like how do you even begin to start i would say yeah, there you go that's a way better phrasing <laughs> you know how do you how do you even begin to start i would say once you have your subject first of all go where the people are you know go where the people are who do the thing whatever that thing is and talk to them, ask them questions, because they are going to tell you, not literally, but they're going to tell you what your documentary should really be about, you know, Um, if you just listen to them and, you know, read between the lines, as it were, they will tell you, you know, a lot of people will have similar answers, be saying the same thing in different ways, have different POVs about the same thing, you know, have different experiences with the same thing. And so just listening to those people, they will tell you what your documentary should be about. Separate from that, on a more like, uh, you know, nuts and bolts kind of way, I would say you start by going in with a plan. You, you outline and you go in with a plan and you commit to a plan and act like that's going to be the what your documentary is. And you aim for it, but you go with the flow. And then after you do one or two interviews, you take that plan and you rip it up and you throw it in the garbage. (laughs) Because now you've got actual footage, you've got something tangible, and you have a new perspective. So then you make a new plan. You commit to that. You go out, you get more interviews. And after two or three more interviews, 
you rip up that plan. And, <laughs> you know, the, the idea is to not be married to anything, to listen to what the documentary should be, because the people, the subject will naturally kind of guide it in such a way, if you're listening, if you're paying attention. But you can't go in with no plan. You can't go in just saying, oh, I, I just hope I want to wait and see what happens. Because, you know, there's an old saying, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And so that you're, when you write down something, even if, you know, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to use it. You're pointed in a direction, you know, you're going somewhere. And when you're on that path, you realize when you need to make a turn. But if you're just wandering around in circles, you're not going to get anywhere. How many turns did you make? Many. <laughs> too, many too many to count. Too many to count. Yeah. So did you end up in a very different place then, I guess, than when you started? Um, you know, it's funny. Some things are the same. Uh, I'd say probably about about 20% of the documentary is what I thought it was going to wow. be. Maybe 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 30. Oh, wow. Um, and like I said, things, things take turns, and you have to go where – the movie is telling you you should go. Yep. So let me ask you, that I, and I, I don't know anything about your like other work other than this documentary. Is this, as a filmmaker, do you focus on documentaries? Do you branch out into other things or is this kind of where your, your interests lie? Um, well, I mean, there is no other work. So, you know, <laughs> this, this, you're looking at it. Oh, thank you for watching my entire career up to this point. <laughs> no. Um, no, I mean, you know, I'd love to do more narrative. I'm also not opposed to doing another documentary. It's in, in the same way that I, that I said, listen to, listen to the documentary and where it's telling you to go. It's just listen to what, you know, where the next step is telling you to go. It's possibly a narrative. It's possibly another documentary. You know, it's, I know that, I know that when the right thing is put in front of me, I will know that it's the right mm. thing. I'll, I'll, I'll feel it. Very cool. Well, that's super exciting. I'm, I will definitely watch the next one as well. So <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> You've gotten me hooked with the first one. So I'm going to be looking for your name on, on the next billboard. So <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. This, this is the idea is the get you hooked at the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so along those lines, where can people find game master so you you can find the documentary on itunes on amazon prime video on google play on vimeo it, it's pretty much any any place that will that does streaming you can find it there i think we're even on like available for rental on youtube it's you know gravitas did a great job getting it in all the places awesome and just you know advice for us from us um we we've again very much enjoyed this documentary it's 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 not short and it's not long, right? If it's in the like hour and a half, it's not going to overstay its welcome at all. We were super interested and invested in the in the character arcs that are told. Um, so if you're if you're listening to this, if you're into if you're into the board game uh, hobby, if you're not into the board game hobby but you do like a good documentary, check it out because we we very much enjoyed it. Yeah, I watched it uh, a few times. So <laughs> you watched it a few times. Is it's, that right? It's good. It's good enough to watch it multiple times. Well, fantastic. So, I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad it holds up upon multiple viewings. <laughs> you know, with with the runtime, I will say something else. Like, you know, it's. I think it runs. It comes in at 97 minutes, and um, I that was a goal from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I knew that like a hundred minutes was like the limit. And don't tell me how I knew that. I just. It's just something I've, <laughs> something I felt inside of me at 101 minutes. I just was like this, this, if we're 101 minutes, we, we better be justifying every, every 15 seconds of this movie. Like this is, you know, yeah. cause it, 
a movie a movie that, that that's this tone that's you know supposed to be fun and enjoyable it shouldn't be much that much longer for sure it, it was captivating through and through so is there uh before we sign off is there anything else that you would like to plug um alongside the game master uh no, I have I have nothing else going on. No, <laughs> um, no I mean, uh, so you know, Game Master Doc is the Instagram. Game Master Documentary or Game Master Doc is the Twitter. We got a Facebook page. I'll plug all of those. If you want to follow me and you know me personally and see uh, my incredibly boring life where I just eat and drink things, you can follow me at on Instagram at Charles Murs. You know, so. That's another thing. You're going to be severely disappointed, though. I'm warning you right That's now. Fine. Go open up a, uh, go open up like a, you know, like a, like a drink making blog or something. You know, teach me how I'll, to bartend say, like you do. I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to bartend. There you go. But the the care, the care uh, that I put into the documentary that we put into the documentary, everybody on the team, as far as making this entertaining all the way through, I do not take that care with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I've been warned. <laughs> Well, we will tag you in our post, so be warned. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, but so awesome. if there's uh, no more questions from anybody, um, again, you know, you can find the show notes online where, you know, we're going to have some crazy awesome uh, cocktail recipes as well as Dalton's. Uh, you should put like a ledger in 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 your sh- in the show notes of how much money you've been spending on bourbon after this episode dalton <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i might i don't know if i want to do that i might get in trouble <laughs> you write it down you get in trouble <laughs> so <laughs> yeah exactly so, so go circling back to bourbon for a yep. second i you know i said that bur- barrel bourbon 16 was my favorite i haven't had all of them but all of the ones i have had are good so just because you can't find 16 yeah. go find go find another one it they're all they're all worth the money that you spend even though they're expensive for sure for sure are those like commercially available or do you have to go to some somebody's house to buy those <laughs> no no they're okay. commercially available do you, do you guys have total wine in indiana what's that do you have total wine in indiana uh, i've heard I that name. So, no. no um how far are you away from louisville we're about two hours uh yeah, oh. so far. Well, I was actually just in Louisville like two days ago and Shit, me had too. a total wine. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, why didn't you call me? I don't know, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is on me. This is on me. <laughs> um, I w- yeah, I was just in Louisville and I w- went to Total Wine there uh, and they they had barrel bourbon. So, you know, you can get it there. Oh, if, cool. if, you're, if you can't find it anywhere in Indiana, you can get it there. Good to know. Awesome. Good to know. Well, yeah. So uh, thank you all for listening and uh, definitely go out and check out Game Master. Let us know what you think. Uh, and it was great talking with you guys. It was, it was really exciting to, you know, get to get to see the behind the scenes of Game Master. So until next time. Cheers. 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 Cheers.